And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about... Well, good then. Leave it the way it is. All right. All right. So, uh, welcome. This is uh, Here You Are Podcast, episode number 41, for those of you who are listening. 42. 42. Fuck. Really? Seriously, dude. You can't say fuck in these podcasts. Sure you can. I, sure you can. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the point of having like, a podcast. Can I swear if yes, I want to? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. so it's we haven't had much of that. So we actually need some of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good. Very good then. It's forty-two now because what I don't even know. We had forty-one and then we missed one, and so I was taking the one that we didn't get record or we didn't put out. I was crossing that off. I was doing some. I was using the Pythagorean theorem. But anyway, I'm uh, one of your hosts, Dino, and I'm here with my main man. Eric. Okay. And uh, and we want to welcome our friend, Shireen, to the show. Shireen, say hi. Hello. Good. So, uh, Shireen. Shireen, we wanted to invite you to the podcast because you just, or actually all three of us, I believe, I was thinking about this before I got on uh, here to do the podcast, all three of us have worked for both newspapers in the city of Wausau. Ugh. Yes, yeah. that's is that true. What, wait, is this, is that what this podcast is about? No, no, I'm just saying we are <laughs> all I don't, I don't want to be a part don't of that. Worry. I don't, seriously, I want to... Yeah. <laughs> You're I'm not bailing. Yeah, I mean, it, we can all just say that given given the news of the day for, for lots of things, we are all survivors of one form of trauma or another. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And we all made for it out sure. of both newspapers, and uh, so that's so that's a noble thing for us. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So God true. damn. But uh, yeah. so, Shireen, you went off and started your own thing. Yes. So so just before we get into all the the meat and guts of what you what you do now, tell us a little bit about what it is. So Wasa Pilot and Review is an online independent. Um, 501c3 nonprofit newsroom. So I know it's kind of, that, that sounds a lot. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's an online newspaper, basically, and, and hyper-local. So we cover what happens in Wausau from local government to felony arrests, public safety, everything from business news to school stuff, just everything that happens in Wausau that isn't really being covered um, as well as it used to be in other news outlets. So, Fair enough. just for fun, Eric sent me a text message. Eric, can you hear me? Nope. Eric can't hear me either. No, I can, can hear. hear oh, can you can hear, hear me. Can you hear me now? I can no, hear you I, now. I don't know what happened when I muted my mic before it. Uh, it shut off all the volume. So. so you can you can hear me either? Do you want to start over? No. No, I'm, I'm good. I heard the last I heard the last part of it. I figured it out. I'm a I'm in tech, you know, so I can I can figure out a volume button pretty quick. Um, but Thank I just God. I just okay. sent Dino a message that said I hate this new Skype because I'm blaming uh, Skype. So Well, it is a no, weird yeah, it's different than it used to be. So, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So So but more I want to go that's great and we're going to get into all of that stuff but like like i told you in the email so i want to know a little bit about how why you know why this became your career like i don't even know where are you from i'm from here actually yeah i'm from here um born in milwaukee but raised in wausau um moved to rhinelander in high school late junior year so i'm actually a hodag but um, but really, Wausau is my hometown, and um, so much so that I that I lived across uh, next to my dad until he died eleven years ago, and my mother lives across the street from me, and my brother also lives next door. So that's about how far away from home I've gotten. <laughs> wow, I thought I thought my, my family was weird, but okay, yeah, that's pretty weird. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's like my husband calls it the Bermuda Triangle because <laughs> that's kind of what it's like on our street. 
it's like your own Kennedy compound. You're all, it's like your block, you know, pretty much, pretty um, much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. One of the, so you have a very, oh, I, can I just jump yeah, in? You yeah. know, hey, you have a very radio voice, Shireen. Is there any <laughs> chance that you've been on radio before? Oh, stop it. Yes. I spent 15 years in radio, which you know very well. I so, do, but <laughs> yes. the three people listening may not. Right? Yes, that, that's true. So I did. I, um, I started in radio. I, I happened into radio in a really weird way. I was a perfume girl behind the counter at Prangy's and, uh, and stumbled into a career in radio after leaving a, um, a, an answering machine message that, that the uh, president of, of WIFC heard and he hired me to do commercials. So that's how my radio career started. So that ended up being like a 15-year thing. Um, and, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. But to be perfectly honest... Radio is fun, but it isn't like your. Um, how can I say this? It isn't like you're you're changing any lives. You're not. You're not really. You're entertaining, but maybe you're not making a huge difference in it's people's lives. I don't know about horrible. that. I, vanilla Ice right. changed my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> radio is not what it used to be. Let's face it. Um, I mean, it's it's nothing but um, you know you have a, you have a couple of morning shows that are great, but it's a lot of syndication. Uh, it's cookie cutter stuff. Um, it's it's just it's. I'm glad to be done with it. Um, it was it was fine, but it's not. It is not uh, where I want to be right now. Yeah, I, so. I'm so grateful that you're not in radio because I think when I, you know, like Terry Stevens is a friend and stuff. And I think that radio is the most um, manipulative, I, I, I guess, maybe form of marketing in the world. Like it is like the, the amount of sort of numbers that they have to measure what is and what is not going to happen is terrible. Like there, oh, there it's is, horrible. There's no creativity. There is radio has become soulless once you once you learn what is going on. Like there is, there is no Doctor Johnny Fever. Oh no, and and not only that. I mean, jocks don't even choose their own. They they have nothing to do with what's played on the radio. And right. um, I mean, you have your you have your list. You have your microphone, and uh, I mean. In in the last like eight years of my radio career, I never even entered a studio. Um, I was working for a radio research firm out of Los Angeles through a home office, and I was voice tracking for radio stations here. So I'd get the log, and I'd record my stuff. That was this is here's what's coming up. Here's Phil Collins. Boom. I mean, it. it I mean, come on. It's, it's just. It, and and in the early days, it was not like that. I mean, it was really personality based. And there are some stations and some some jocks who still really do a good job. But you're really limited now. It's just not what I want to do ever again, yeah. <laughs> ever again. And then you so, know, like, what 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 is it? Radio puke voice? Is that the phrase I just learned? Oh yes, the radio puke. Did I tell you that? I think you're yeah, the one so, who told. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, there's the well, well, yeah. Come on, turn it off. The right. the radio puker voice. So um, there's that. Uh, be natural. Come on. So right. yeah, being on radio um, was really really fun. And my old morning show partner and I used to always joke and say it beats a real job any day. And it did. I mean, when we did a morning show, oh my. God, did we have fun? I mean, just we laughed so hard sometimes, like off microphone, that we'd be crying. It was so it was so much fun. But it's just it's just not like that anymore. So um, radio isn't what it used to be, and um, and it was time for me to move on to something else. So um, I actually I had dropped out of college early, and and finally when I was in my late thirties, I thought it might be time to go back and and finish that. So so. Um, I very quietly finished my my degree in journalism through the University of, of um, Massachusetts at Amherst. I didn't even really tell anybody I was doing it. Um, I still remember the night I the night I I submitted my final paper for graduation. I was I was forty years old, and I was in the house by myself. And I submitted my final paper, and I went, "Oh my God! I just graduated from college." So I I poured myself a martini, and I sat outside and and 
and toasted to myself, and that was that. So that's that's how I ended up with a journalism degree. It's kind of weird, but so that's how it happened. Why did you choose journalism? Oh, I always wanted to be a journalist, and um, and I actually, when I was in high school, I always thought I was going to be a journalist, and I I had intended to go to Marquette and um, for journalism, and the and the money just wasn't there, and so I, I wound up taking some time off. And and then never going back. You know how that goes. So um, I, I've I've always been a writer. I mean, God, when I was eight years old, my friend down the street and I were were typing up a, 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 a neighborhood newsletter on my old Underwood and <laughs> passing it around the neighborhood. You know, I mean, I've I've just always had that that bug that that storytelling journalism bug since I was a kid. So why do you think that, you had that? Bug? That'd be a fun throwback discussion, Dino, because yeah. I'm sure you did that too. I have some old papers, and we were going through them one day with Olivia, and there was a newspaper that I put together <laughs> from start to finish. <laughs> oh, there was wow. advertising in it and everything. I just I made up advertising. I wrote stories. It was nice. I mean, it was yeah. I mean, it was those are fun things. Yeah, they are fun things for me. It and they was... they influence you when you're older. You know, I mean those those things they stick with you. Um, and and it did with me. It was always it was always that thing that I wanted to that I wanted to do that I wanted to be. Yeah, for me yeah. it was uh, the the ninth grade literary magazine in, at uh, my middle school. For whatever reason, that was the thing that that triggered sort of triggered me. You know, to really? kind of go, yeah, this is what I want to do. And it was really like like I can remember like I'd go to the the office in the IMC because that's uh, I don't know what that stands yes. for, but. I am and information uh, something center. I don't right. know. And I would go there Material. for a one period a day. And uh, Mrs. Hughes had typed out the stuff that we selected to be in the, the literary magazine. And I would cut them, cut the pieces of paper out and lay them out on graph paper to go to the printer. Really? And I'm like, this nice. is the coolest thing ever. And to, and what's fun about it is, it's like still a thing that I do. So since I'm colorblind, all through high school and college, I would have a hard time sort of just with uh, spiral notebook colors. And so I started putting, it was, in the beginning, it was, you know, collages of stuff I cut out of like Thrasher magazine. And I would, yeah. and I would make collages on the front of my notebooks. And then once I started keeping a journal, I would do that in all of, on all of my journals. And to, and I still do that to this day, having started my journal when I was in sixth grade. So they all, wow. so after ninth grade, they all have collages on the cover. Wow. Yeah. And so okay. like, I love, like there's a, it's hilarious. Like the weird shit that you pick up, like I have for years, I would buy this pen called the Expresso pen. And it oh, was, yes. Yes. Right. I had an Expresso. <laughs> and it had some like weird kind of nub that didn't really work for me as a writer but the cap had like this angle thing that I could use to get the bubbles out of the scotch tape. Yes. And yes. so yes. that's that's why I like for years owned that pen because the the nub thing was like it had some I mean it was like a quill or some weird shit and I I my I write too heavy and so it just I would break it in signing my name. Yeah. <laughs> So then, right. so then early on, so, you know, what were, you know, what were some of the sort of triggers for you as a writer? Like what jumps out in your memory is sort of like, this is early on. This is why I became a writer. This is why I became a reader, you know, or maybe journalists that you remember. Well, I'm, I'm a huge reader. Always have been. I probably read two to three books a week. And I devour newspapers like crazy. My my dad was a big newspaper guy too. So, um, my my dad um, grew up in Milwaukee, and we moved here from Milwaukee when I was a kid. And so we'd always get the Milwaukee Sentinel, never the Journal, the, the Sentinel and the Daily, the Wasa Daily Herald every day. And he and I would sit and and read through the paper every day. So I mean, there was that kind of thing too where I understood the value of news and and how much it meant to the people in the community to keep keep in touch with what's going on at at home and and in their neighborhoods. So I had that too and um and when I 
as I was going to school, when I, while I was finishing my my journalism degree, I did some freelance work. I did some some copy editing, and then after I graduated, shortly after I graduated, I I got a job um, with the Wasa Daily Herald. I started with a South Metro beat. Um, covering the the Everest area and then just after a couple of months then I stopped I started with cops reporting so um uh, cops was my beat for a really long time and I loved that job I I don't know I know it sounds creepy but I I like all the crazy crap that happens and um all I I, I like to tell those stories I I think that they're important and I and they're and they're super interesting to me. So, I don't know. You know, talking about the 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 robberies and this and the crashes and the fires and the homicides. It, it's um, I, I liked that. Um, and then while I was a cops reporter, I had my very first really big investigative journalism story. I mean, like the first time I really ventured into this whole realm of investigative reporting was uh, was a story that I had a series of stories actually that I had written about the former sheriff of Marathon County um, who who had been struggling a little bit in the in the late part of his career and and had not spent perhaps as much time at the office as he should have been. So um, that was a really big story and and that story actually uh, revealed that he had only spent I think it was like twenty eight hours in his office for in in a year's time or something like that. And he wound up resigning over that. And so that, that was the, the first, like, this is my investigative story that kind of put me on the board and put, put, um, put that, that fire into me. Like, Hey, you know what? The, the stories that we report can, can promote some change. So that was a pretty, it was a, it was a, let me tell you, it was scary as shit because you get you get the sheriff of Marathon County on the phone calling you and and screaming at you in your ear and it's not a very comfortable feeling at all but but in the end it all worked out really well so that kind of propelled my career as an investigative journalist and I went on with USA Today Wisconsin on the I team and and wrote some pretty cool stuff there that I'm pretty proud of Yeah you were there for a while right I was um and uh, the the I team, the, the Gannett Wisconsin I team, part of USA Today was like four. There were four of us, and we were just you could work wherever. So I worked obviously I worked in the Wasa Daily Herald office, um, but at that time Gannett was going through some really serious changes. They they went through this um, uh, newsroom of the future thing. Do you remember yeah, hearing about I do. that? I okay. do remember the newsroom okay. of the future. So we had to go through newsroom of the future. We all had to reapply for our jobs, and it was very nerve wracking. And um, and I and I did retain my job. Um, some people did not. It was a very tumultuous time there. Um, and and since then, there have been other other restructuring issues that have happened. But because it was so topsy turvy and and God, you know, you just didn't know if you were going to have a job in a year. And nobody could t- say, "Yeah, your job is safe." It, it, they just couldn't. Um, when when City Pages uh, approached me about an opportunity there, it seemed like a really good time to jump. So uh, so that's why I ended up at at City Pages, wh- and I stayed there for a little over a year. So all right. So uh, none of us are going to talk about that because I'm going to talk about that. Okay. You're lucky. You're lucky. So no, I'm I'm just going to say that City Pages. Um, I, I'm really accustomed to hard news reporting and, um, and investigative reporting, and that's just not their focus. So I thought that it was going to be a really good fit for me and it, and it wasn't. Um, and that's, and that's not a criticism of, of them. I, I just, I prefer to report on, on, harder issues. I want to take a harder look at what's going on in government. I want to report on public safety issues. I think crime is important. Um, you know, I, and, and I, and I really embrace the whole digital mentality of, of <laughs> we're getting, we're getting our news online, not a week after it happens in print. And, but that's me. So that's why it wasn't a good fit. And, and I was, I, I grew increasingly, um, uh, unhappy there 
and and that's what kind of propelled me to start this thing of my own. But the, but they have a website, right? Yeah, they have and a they, website they can, now. They can. Well, I, I actually helped news. helped develop the web the website. Yeah, well, but, it's, but it's it good isn't that she finally hired somebody to do that. Yes, she did. She sorry. Did. Yes. We're, sorry, we're not going there. <laughs> oh, no, we can't. Maybe one of the people on this podcast was hired to do that very thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, never got to do that very thing. Mm. Ah, oh, no, they I did, because it's Shireen. Right? right, that's true. Maybe somebody right. else tried, was there years before Shireen. Years before. Let's, to, yeah, let's well, move well, on to look, I, yeah, I, I'm not making fun of them. I, it's just it's just different than what I that than what I think is necessary. So so I moved on because I was so frustrated. I was getting so frustrated that I would come home from work and, quite frankly, I would bitch to my husband every night, and he was really getting sick of it. He was like, "Enough already! Enough!" If yeah. you're not happy there, you need to make a change. You have got to do something different. And I mean, Wausau's my home. I'm I'm not moving anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I don't want to go. For, I, I don't want to go to work for a TV station. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm. I don't know that I want to go back to work for Gannett with all with the shrinking newsrooms there and and the issues there. So it was really. I felt really. God, you know, like, what am I going to do? Um, and he kept saying, start your own thing. Start your own thing. And, and Dino, you remember, you and I had these conversations. I was like, I want to start my own thing, but okay. I mean, it sounded like something so monumental. How do you do that? How do you do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, you and I sat down and had a lot of Mexican food and talked about this a lot. <laughs> we did. Know? And, uh. So, so really, that's the you know without tooting you know my own horn because you know obviously I'm crucial to the success of your project <laughs> here. Without me, none of this even happens. But so so tell the, I know the story of how it came about, but but it's a good story. Like, I mean, aside yeah. from the frustration thing, you you yeah. really just sort of sat there. I mean, I think I was sitting in front of you when you worked it all out in your head. Yes. Yeah, actually, you, you we were sitting together and talking about it and like, why not? Uh, yeah, I, I, so I kind of was talking it through to myself in front of you like, OK, well, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And and you're just nodding your head going, well, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, I did a lot of research and I thought about different ways that it could be done and uh, and the kind of money I would need to start it up. And I I looked at different business models and, um, and I finally came up with something I thought would work. And, um, and I, uh, and then of course the big, the big issue is how are you going to pay for it? Right. I mean, how are you going to live? Um, and I don't need to make a lot of money, but I need to pay the bills. Right. So, um, and of course it's not free to run a news website. You've, you've got, costs involved. So I put together a business plan and, um, and I, and I swallowed my pride and I went to a friend of mine, um, with this business plan and, and asked him for a loan. And, and the, the, well, the thing about the friend is that, okay, he's an, he's an old friend of mine from high school in Rhinelander who just, um, happened to win the lottery a few years ago. So, he won a lot of money. And for years he had been saying, you know, if you want, if you have a dream, if you have a business plan, I'll be your bank. I'll be your bank if you, if, if you have a, a business plan. Um, and so I didn't want to be that person because we've been friends for a really long time. We were friends before the money. We'll, we were friends after the money. We'll be friends if the money is gone. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but, but I, so I, I, I called him up and I said, look, I, I'd like to meet, I have a business thing. And he lives in Minneapolis now. And he like the next day drove over here and met with me and I handed him my business plan. I said, look, I'd like to borrow $50,000 and, <laughs> and here's my plan. And we talked it through and, um, and he wound up 
saying, well, you're not, if you're doing a nonprofit status, I'm not going to give you a loan. And my, my heart just sank. I was like, okay, well, that's that. And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the money because I can write it off as a tax deduction. So he ended up giving me a grant to pay for my whole first year of expenses. And I will forever be grateful to him for doing that. So, um, you know, he, he made it possible for me to, for, for me to do this and get it off the ground. And, um, you know, I, I know that it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Who knows somebody who won the lottery, right? But, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's how I ended up getting the funding to start this. So I, I filed my nonprofit papers. I thought it was going to take about nine months for that to happen. And then it, it came through really quickly. It came in, came through within like two months. So I, I, gave a 30 day notice at, at the city pages and I, I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I just, I just gave my, a, a long notice. So they had plenty of time to find somebody. And then, um, and then I, I launched it. So I built the site from scratch. Um, and I've, you know, learned a lot along the way. So when you, so. um, when you started, what did you think the, the, the venture was going to be? So, my my initial thought was okay i want a, a hyper local online news site that will talk about community issues i mean we'll we'll give um we'll give room for nonprofits for businesses with their their press releases and um and and you know we'll just see how it goes and then um it it pretty quickly turned to harder journalism uh, once things got started. Um, in part because two weeks after I launched, we had that horrific shooting in uh, in the South Metro area, um, which we covered uh, we covered like from from the time it happened, for maybe 12 hours. I, I didn't leave my desk. And, and that kind of put us on the map. I, you know, I hate, I hate to say that because it was such a terrible thing, um, to have happened, but our reporting was shared and shared and shared. And, and we very quickly, um, gained, gained an audience that allowed us to, to move forward pretty, pretty fast. Yeah, so, that that's another place where I again was instrumental. Yes, yes, you were in the right place at the right time, and were very helpful in having some eyes uh, eyes on what happened. That that whole boots on the ground. So you were able to feed me some information back then. The um, the the transmissions, the radio transmissions for Marathon County were still public. They are not now. That's another subject, um, and. I was able to listen to everything that was going on, um, hear from you, um, talk to people that were that were uh, in the know, and and get constant updates throughout that day. Um, it was really something. Yeah, that was that was an intense day. So yeah, yeah, it really was. So since that day, it's it's just it's grown exponentially. I mean, we we went from. You know that that day we had like I don't know I, I can't even remember how many views we had but I mean now we're getting like two hundred fifty thousand views a month so it's it's pretty pretty significant we we've got a pretty significant market share now um, and and we've expanded and changed kind of what we're covering too base because we can check and see what what do people respond to I mean you can see what people want to read, what they, what they're clicking on, what they're spending the most time on. And that influences our decisions as to what we're, we're spending the most time covering too. So, so what, what are people spending the most time on? Without a doubt, the number one thing that people, um, that people spend time on is, uh, the public safety stuff. So, um, anything from crashes to, uh, felony arrests, um, court cases, uh, drug issues, um, uh, the the interactive crime map that we that we publish once a week, 
of course, the the mugshots uh, get the most views of anything. That's number one. Our number two thing would be the things that are happening in our local community government. Um, that that gets a significant amount of engagement, and people spend a lot of time on that. So, so let's talk a little bit about how uh, where. So we we heard where it is now. So where do you mm-hmm. think Wasa Pilot gets going to? So, yeah, I really think that um, that eventually, I mean, just just from a from a Wasa Pilot standpoint, we want to be able to expand our local coverage. So we're hoping that we're we're going to have the funds to hire a, a local sports person, for example. One of the things that we hear from our readers most often um, is complaints that local sports are not being covered the same way that they used to be. And, um, and, and I think that, that there's some merit to that. I, I, people, people want to want to know that Newman, for example, had this, you know, incredible season football, football season, and, and it, you hardly read about it. So, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement with with sports. Um, I, I we we do have two freelancers on board who are doing a great job, um, and we have we we actually from from a statewide or or national standpoint, um, we're part of the Institute for Nonprofit News. So we're a consortium of like 50 nonprofits around the con- country that all have sharing agreements. So Politico and and the Center for Public Integrity and Courthouse Courthouse News and all these groups, I can get stuff from them. But locally, our focus needs to be local, and and this is what I think. Um, and and this this really ties into why this whole thing started. There's serious gaps in what our local newspaper is providing. You look at a newspaper from five years ago, you'd be amazed at what's there now compared to what was what was there then. There is no um, there's no published editorials anymore. There's no community editorial board. There's no published news releases. There's no business promotion. School students of the month. There's no crime reporting. Um, that's all gone. And and people want to know that stuff, and that's where we're stepping in. So. I think local journalism isn't dead. Um, it's, I mean, newsrooms from these big companies continue to be decimated. You look at the newspaper now, and and you're reading more about what's happening in Rapids and Marshfield and Stevens Point and Appleton. People here don't care about that. They want to know what's happening in their own communities. And so I see this, I see the Wasa Pilot and Review as filling that gap and filling that local reporting need because it is so important and it's important not just for readers it's important for advertisers because look if you're opening like a a daycare on the east side of wausau um you're not going to advertise what what good is it going to do to advertising green bay or rapids it's not (laughs) so i mean your message needs to reach local people so you need to be with a local publication so i mean i i see this as being something that's really good for readers and for advertisers too so um, then let's let's talk a little bit more about how, you know, you, you've dove into the, the national conversation now. You're part of this consortium and you're, you know, you're now part of, you know, sort of the the thought future of, of what journalism is, not to get too fucking Nick O'Brien on us all right. really quickly. But at the same time, you know, how do you so, you know, how do you see Gannett or the city pages or any of these sort of well, Gannett, the Daily Herald is not a small. I mean, it's now not even the Daily Herald; it's Daily Herald mm-hmm. Media or something. So, how do you think journalism changes? Does it stay the written word, or does it expand into video, or, or what happens? I, you know, I think I think video is going to be a part of it, but I also think that that print is going to continually uh, diminish. So, um, print papers have to embrace that digital model because uh, look everybody wants their news right now they want it now they don't want it next week they want to know what's happening in their communities as quickly as they can be that's why local independent online news organizations across the country are they're they're not only 
um, emerging, but they're they're thriving by sticking to their local roots. And those those national organizations that you're talking about that that we're partners with, those uh, those are great because there are some some national issues that we would be remiss if we were not reporting. Um, and sometimes we can use those to localize our own stories. But um, but for for the most part, I mean. Honestly, do you know? Do you care if a business in Rapids opens? I don't. Do you? No, because to be honest, I don't technically know where Rapids is. Well, I mean that, and that's did, not. You're I'm not, not even go making, there, right? I'm so, not even making light of that. But yeah. I don't, as someone who like you grew up here. I mean, I went away to college, but I don't know where Rapids is. I don't yeah. know if it's east or west. I think it's south of here because. If I remember right, I see exits on the highway, but I've never gone to that city. And all of the road work I've done and all the political campaigns and all the advocacy work, I've never gone to the city of Rapids. And you're mm -hmm. right. I see newspaper stories pop up on my phone all the goddamn time about mm -hmm. the city of Rapids. And I'm like, mm -hmm. great. I don't know where that is and I don't know why I care. And that, and that you know, as somebody who's been, you know, I, I was in citizen journalism a long time ago. And, and it's that thing where you're like, yeah, George Seldes is right. It's got to be local. And there's a reason for it, both as, as a business idea and as sort of the noble idea of journalism, because what we need to have is local voices. I mean, God damn it, if it doesn't kill me all the time when, you know, my friend Terry Stevens at Midwest Communications is stuck with this getting a book from a company in Los Angeles that's never been here, and they get right. new, and they get newswire stories that aren't from here. I mean, politically, I couldn't disagree with with Chris Connolly any more than mm -hmm. I, I do, but I think Chris is a fucking brilliant storyteller. I really yeah. do. I mean, I think he's an ass clown is politically, but like <laughs> when he writes about when he writes in, and I'm just going to use these two examples or one example, when he writes and talks about trains, I could listen to him do that for days at a time because it's, <laughs> or, or when Tom King and Chad Holmes do baseball games, yeah, it's great. And Chad Holmes yeah. and I graduated high school together. Like, Oh, we, really? Yeah. He slept in my house at UW Milwaukee. One of his best friends was my college, my housemate. And so, like, we're, yeah, his sister and I, her, his dad, Chip, oh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all up in the Holmes family. But uh, his sister, Amy, is amazing. She runs marathons, and she's weird, but, uh, and she's short. Um, but the thing is, it's that, like, Chad and Tom, I could listen, I do listen to those guys do baseball. Like, I mm -hmm. bought, I bought a specific MP3 player because it has, a radio on it and I can listen to Tom do baseball because it's just great, you know, but then at mm -hmm. the same time, they throw it all away, specifically 5.50 a.m. They throw it all away with that morning show. So whatever nobility they gain by telling stories and being parts of our community, they throw it all away when Ben Armstrong or whatever his name is, you know, just decides to use 5.50 a.m. to, you know, essentially divide the country and, and, lift up Donald right. Trump in a way that is fine because that's that's their market but at the same time there's two talented guys there who are going to waste I think yeah you know well and, and talk about talent going to waste I when I started at at the Daily Herald um, there were like I want to say there were 11 local reporters right. not in, not including the sports staff and, right. and there was like a whole sports room so now they're down to Three. Three. Yep. Three. They have three reporters, one of which covers like is, you know, bike rides around the state. Yeah. So, I mean, they and he does a great job at it. I'm not ripping on him. But I mean, now they have three reporters and then they have one guy doing sports. So is it any I mean, that's just insane. And, and the people who are working there, they're good. They do a really good job. But I mean, oh my God, I can't even imagine. And but then I go, okay, wait a minute. I publish 10, 12 stories a day and it's just me. So my point is they could be uh, 
this is going to sound kind of shitty, but I feel like they could be publishing more local stuff than they are. This, this cutting local coverage in favor of a statewide model that doesn't pay any attention to neighborhoods, that doesn't pay any attention to public safety and government. I think that's unfortunate. And local journalism is not dead. It is not dead. People want it. And and we know from from the readers we're getting. So I don't know. I I just I think this is really important. I'm I'm scared. You know, I'm scared that this was a huge leap of faith for me to do this. I mean, my friend was so great at helping me here, but but that money's not gonna last forever. So I have to make a go of it now. And and it's scary. Um I know that there's a an audience for it, but God, you know, there's always that little part of me that goes, what if it doesn't work? I, I don't know. So, yeah, but the, the the thing is, it like you're saying, it will work. I mean, the reality is, people will want that will want local voices forever because that's ultimately that's what social media is. That you know, yeah. not to not to get too you know millennial on us, but I mean, that's the whole point of Facebook or Twitter or any of these things in the beginning was to interact with your friends locally. Who your mm-hmm. who, who is your network of people? And all you're doing is taking it and going, all right, I'm going to tell my, I'm going to have people, local people tell stories about local people for local people. So mm-hmm. you're essentially, I mean, it's proven. Like, there's no doubt that that network model works. It's just a question of, you know, filling those those pipes, if you will, with uh, with solid content, and, you know, and so and, and having a vision for what you want to talk about, you know, but um, yeah, and that's 100 percent true. But to Shireen's point, I think that there's a whole money aspect involved. Yeah. You know, well, she's trying to run a business, Facebook, Twitter, everything. You know, they started on this free exchange of information and it was it was fun. But when you get into a, a situation where you need to make money off of that, how do you do that? You know, how do you how do you make money, Shireen? And well, you, you don't have to get specific about things, but I mean, yeah. how how does somebody make money in this arena in a market like Wausau? And we're not talking central Wisconsin because then you're including places like Marshfield and Rapids right. and Point and those things that we've talked about aren't that interesting. How do you make money within this hyper local market? So, well, there's there's three things. I mean, you 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 rely on because I'm a nonprofit. I can rely somewhat on grants, um, but they you know how that that is that comes and goes, um, and it's and it's sure. a fluid thing. Um, number two is is donations, and we're part of this um, newsmatch initiative through the Knight Foundation. So um, we could potentially raise a fair fairly significant amount of money from now until the end of the year because they're matching all donations that that we get from now until the end of the year. So anybody who donates, your donate the donation is matched through December 31 up to and they'll match up to $28,000. So legitimately you could raise $56,000 in that time frame and that would be great, but I mean then the other other thing, though, um, is advertising revenue, and that's what I'm working on the most right now. So, um, so yeah, we have we have to sell ads just like everybody else. So, the, you know, it's it's a matter of getting people to buy into what we're doing and to understand that if your message needs to lead, needs to reach local people, then we're the ones to do that for you. We're we're the we're the 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 best place for you to advertise. Um, so we have, we have those kinds of, of ways in which we can sustain ourselves. And I can tell you, I'm a member of this national group called lion. It's the local independent online news organization. And there's like, I want to say there's, I think there's 40, maybe 45 lion members. And they're all, um, they're all newsrooms like mine, around the country there's there are two other ones in wisconsin besides me there's there's one in madison and one in racine um and then they're all over the place and some are nonprofit and some are not and and the vast majority of them are making it i mean they're they're doing 
pretty well. Sometimes it takes them about a year, maybe even two to kind of get their footing and, and, um, and establish themselves in the market, but they're making it because they're replacing those, um, those newsrooms that are shrinking and going away at those larger organizations. So that's how you make your money and that's how you keep going. I'm never going to get rich at this and I don't have to. I, I just just want to keep it going. That's a tough challenge. I, I don't envy you. I respect you a lot for doing it, but I certainly don't envy you. That always seemed to be the biggest challenge for the city pages being a print. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm a sucky salesperson, so I mean, right now, because <laughs> that's just that's just not something that I do. I, I'm not good at it. I'm not comfortable with the ask. I'm not, you know, I just I always sure. feel funny. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah, so um, I, you know, I'm, I'm ultimately I'd like to have somebody that um, that is selling for me. My my sister, I have, I have one sister who's been helping me out with some marketing. She, uh, she lives in New Mexico though. So she's got to do it by phone and she's not here to, you know, to, to make all those connections. But, you know, eventually I think I'll figure it out, but, um, and we're getting there. I mean, we're actually getting a lot of emails and phone calls now from people who want to know about advertising. So I think that's good, but, but yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. So uh, we're coming up on an hour, and that's usually kind of where people's attention span goes away, um, mm-hmm. including ours. So so I wanted to end with a, a specific question for for you, Shireen, um, and it's it's it'll be fun for us to discuss it a little bit for a couple of minutes here. But what do you think is the biggest? What will what is the biggest story now? And what will what will be the biggest story in 2018? I think the biggest story now and in 2018 is going to be the continued struggle for balance for uh, the economic development team in Wausau. There has to be a balance between economic development and and the city's debt. Um, as as you know, and we've reported on this extensively. Um, the city's debt is is enormous right now. Um, they've done some shifting in the debt, but but really our per capita debt is pretty high. Now we all want this vibrant, wonderful city that attracts people and 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 people are excited to live here. We all want that, but there's there's a question of you know when is it appropriate to give um, to give city taxpayer dollars for um, for development and when is it not and I think that this is going to continue to be a story um, throughout the next year because our elected officials are they they are grappling with with some very difficult decisions and I understand that um, it, it's easy for for city council members sometimes to just go, well, of course, we want development. And, and anybody who thinks that that uh, we shouldn't be borrowing this money or we shouldn't be giving this money is just a naysayer. But there there are some really serious questions that need to be asked. And, and, I, and I wish that the council members would ask those questions um, to, to really make sure that we are spending money wisely and not boxing ourselves into a corner for the next 10 years when we're waiting for these TID developments to um, to mature. So the budget is is absolutely Wasa's number one issue right now, the number one problem, and it's and it's not going to be magically resolved in the next year. So so I want to push back on a little bit because I think what you're I think that the the spe- specificity of um, the budget and economic development is is obviously a, a symptom of of what is for me is troubling, but what you brought up was city council members not asking questions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that I, I myself, I sit back and I, you know, I watch the meetings and I read the minutes and stuff like that. And I think to myself, are you guys asking, are you going to ask any questions? I mean, are we doing, <laughs> yeah. are we doing anything or, I mean, because for a long time I, you know, I was under the impression and I wrote about it on, on our my website about you know essentially Marianne Grote being the villain in all of this, and mm-hmm. and I and I think I was 
probably being simplistic about that. And I was I was being pushed pretty far afield by some folks. But at the same time, you know, like you and I have talked about this or I and I've talked about this with other people. I've even talked about this with city council members that I just don't know what they're asking. I don't I don't know what they're asking. And it just seems to me like whatever comes in front of them, they're voting for. I feel like that too. I feel like it's just an automatic rubber stamp that if, um, if, if people from city government tell them that this is so, that is good enough for them. And that shouldn't be. And here's a, here's an example. I'll, I'll keep this as concise as I can. Last month, um, our economic development director went in front of the economic development committee and, and touted these numbers. Hey, you know, everything is going so well so far this year. Our building permits have been issued for $47.6 million in construction value. Oh my God, that's great. Right. So, and of that, 11.6 million is within a tax increment district. So, 30 million of that is taking place outside of those. That's great. So, and, and seriously, everyone was like, that is great news. That is great news. It sounds good, but nobody asked the question is that figure enough to support the city's budget? And if you do the math, the answer is no. So if our budget increases by about a million dollars, and it's like eight hundred thousand a year probably, but I mean, it, so let's let's assume that our budget increases a million dollars a year. They need to generate one hundred eight million dollars in development a year outside of the tids. So when you look at that, we're like a third of the way there, and it's November. So it's nobody asked that. And yet they're all going, yay, we've got all this development going. So, yes, I'm glad about the development. Of course I am. But it's not enough. And I'm I'm disappointed that nobody is asking those questions. And I think that um, that as as a member of the council, you need to ask those questions. That's what you're elected to do. Yeah, I I. Couldn't agree more. Eric? I'm thinking that we need to we need to have a podcast. And we'll just invite really just anybody and everybody. And here's what we're going to city council with to propose. We'll put together decent packages and we'll just get them to vote on shit that we think is interesting. And since they're not going to deny anything, right. we I, might I, actually get a bunch of dumb stuff through. Just well, yeah, because. you have to keep my name out of it though, because they think they think I'm a naysayer. So <laughs> yeah, no, we won't we won't mention names. I yeah. mean, we yeah, don't talk about you know, me. But I think can, you're on. We can bury there. ourselves quickly enough. Don't worry sure. about that. Sure. I I've been buried I've been buried before. You know. Yeah. Do you well, go to I all mean, the meetings, just, Shereen? Um, I don't go to all of them. Thank goodness they are now broadcast. So oh, I don't nice. I don't have to. I don't have to go to all of them. I, I, um, I don't like to, <laughs> so I, I prefer to watch them. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. Um, the questions that are asked and the questions that are not asked and you want to go, come on, ask, is nobody really going to ask about that? Just like this. Um, okay. The city just bought this, this big parcel of property for $1.1 million and it's valued at like $475,000. Right. So they paid, they paid, they paid like twice the amount, right? They paid twice the amount and only one alderman asked, and it was Pat Peckham. He, he asked, um, Eric Lindman. So you think the price is fair? <laughs> and, 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 then, and Eric, Eric said, yep. Uh, yeah, might sure. be, yeah, might be, might be on the high end of things. And, and that was good enough for them. That was good enough. And so that passed. And I mean, I, God. I'm watching this, like with this. my jaw dropped. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm glad Pat asked, but, but wow. I mean, geez. I, so I get a kick out of the fact that it does seem like whoever shows up, if you if you go through the process, no matter what harebrained idea you have, mm -hmm. they're going to say yes. I think so. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. I mean, I've got a thousand and one harebrained ideas. Right. Literally, like Eric, so write them down. They're actually <laughs> going to. 
I think that this ridiculous thing about riding around on a bike with alcohol, whatever that is, the bar cart thing. Yeah, the bar thing? I think thing? that's going like to happen. It? Oh, it's definitely going to happen. You know, yeah. and it's just one it's of those happen. things where the hypocrisy of this is is ridiculous to me. I just I'm, want to know if they're going to erect a beer fence around that thing. Right. Yeah, a rolling <laughs> beer fence. I mean... You won't be allowed on the 400 block with right. it. Yes, you, you, right. Yes. Oh, no, you'll, you'll be allowed, be allowed on the to four, drive no. around the city with it. You'll be allowed on the 400 block. You won't be ar- allowed on the street adjacent to the 400 block. No, and you can't go to Marathon Park with it no, either. No, you can't go to Marathon Park with it. It's just... <laughs> I don't... Like... I sit back, and for a while, the thing that I was most pissed off about for a year, in a year was just the absurdity of, of Exhibit Tour. Just the, yeah. the absurdity of the, of the narrative that Tom Neal wanted to impose upon people regarding Exhibit Tour. Mm-hmm. Completely denying the, de- seeming to deny the narrative that uh, it's against the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not mm-hmm. a question of do we want to be groovy and cool. Mm-hmm. But it's just simply against state law. And right. so Wausau isn't rejecting Lisa Rasmussen and at the time Bill Brandemore or whoever was the chief of police weren't rejecting the idea based on the principle. They were just saying, look, we have to follow the law. And yeah. as cool as this is, yeah, it's against the law. Yeah. So we can't, yeah. we as a, a municipality can't give a waiver for that. And it's just... It's one of those things where I just sit back. Like the smoking thing is just fucking dumb. I'm just like, you guys. And it's and for me, it's not that it's dumb. Ba- again, based on the merits, it's dumb based on how they stupidly. Oh Jesus, listen to me. I'm, I'm never <laughs> going to work. Go. I'm never going to work go. there. But it's based <laughs> on how they stupidly choose to not communicate the strategy of anything with the public. No, I know. And it's I know. it's the arrogance. It again, w- when you see the criticisms online, there's small vocal people, but the criticism comes down to that it's not about again any of the instances. There's there's criticism of all of the instances, but the criticisms are enabled because the city doesn't communicate a strategic vision that they can defend to the naysayers. Well, right. Okay, here here's a perfect example. On Thursday, the, the there's a meeting, an economic development committee meeting, and in the agenda, there's a closed session item that says they're they're going to go into closed session to talk about the Sears property. Uh huh. Okay. Right there, you so, lost me. Closed session. Done. Closed session. Problematic. And then in the in then in the packet, there's nothing about why they're going into closed right. session. So I, I sent an, you know, because I'm a pain in their in their cross. So I, I sent an email. I'm like, can you tell me what you're discussing? As you know, you know, there's very narrow parameters for what blah, blah, blah. What are you going into closed session for? There must be a deal on the table. And I get this reply that says, well, actually, we have it on the agenda just in case the the committee wants to go into co- closed session but we don't really have anything. We're just we're just putting it on there so that if they feel like going into closed session, then they can. So, uh, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> the misuse of closed session is is awesome. It's it's astounding to me. Yeah. That uh, they they've deballed the parliamentary procedure. Oh god, I'm such a nerd. But they've deballed this, the it's, Go ahead. Go ahead. Man. No, I Go ahead. They've deballed the parliamentary procedure to such an extent that it, it feels like the city attorneys no longer want to stand up and go, hey, that's not what this rule is for. You don't get to do well, this. Then when I, you know. Yeah. And then when I ask, when I ask the city attorney, I get a response that says, well, I'm actually an attorney for the city, right. so I can't tell you that. Yeah. So, it so t- which, it tell, me which tells me that, hey, the city council people need to be asking these questions. Right. Here again... It that took, question's not being asked. It took me a year to with Ann Jacobson. It, I think I emailed her 12 questions, and it took me 12 months of asking, because I wanted to know something. Um, it took me 12 months of trying to figure out how to word the question mm-hmm. so that she would give me an answer. And then, then we're like 12 months later, and I'm like, I forgot why I wanted to know this. You know? 
And it's just, but the thing is, she's doing her job. Like she is, she's an attorney for the city and that's, you know, and that's who she should answer for. And I'm like, okay. And and there is a technical way to ask her a question that she'll answer. And you just sort of have to learn the form, you know? Sometimes I will say this. Sometimes she will call me and say, are you meaning to ask this? She's really good about that. Which is awesome. Yeah. But I will say I've got open records requests dating back to April that I haven't gotten filled yet. From the city, April. <laughs> I mean, I that's just insane to me. I mean, come on, but but everything's open and transparent, though. Open so. and transparent. Mm-hmm. He, so yep, everything's better at City Hall these days. Everybody, yeah, so I'm everybody. I'm getting happier. more cynical as the night moves on. But yes, yeah. yes. All right. So then, were there were there closed sessions often with the previous nope. administration? Not nearly as much. Okay, that I figured. Yeah. No, I mean, they had them, but it, it wasn't. Yeah. But at the same often. time, at with that, with the previous council, Ed Gale was like a semi-professional parliamentarian. Like he <laughs> wouldn't. I, I, I still loved there was one city council meeting where I was at where I was pretty sure Ed was going to smack Steve. Fo- I think his name was Steve Foley. And uh, oh, the, yeah. The yeah. young guy who mm-hmm. skipped town. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Ed w- at one point threw his keys at the kid and then, like, was just full-on Marine drill sergeant pissed off. God, I just saw Ed at the hockey game. That's right. Nice. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he. I swear to God, I thought, you're he's going to beat up a kid right now in city chambers. <laughs> this is going to be bad. And Carl Clues is nowhere near the story. So, Carl speaking Lewis. of, so I just, I have oh, to ask, yeah. have, have you met Carl Clues yet? Me? Yeah. No, uh-uh. Has he emailed you yet? No. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Why? Just cause, I'm just, you know, because... <laughs> Should I be waiting for that? He's he's an enigma. Always. I'm not going to say anything bad about <laughs> Carl. Okay. All right. No, I, I haven't gotten anything from that name. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not ever... I will never say anything in public bad about Carl because I'm afraid of him. So I'll talk okay. to you behind the scenes all you want about Carl, but there's no fucking way I'm talking about him. On a podcast that he might hear, I think you he just hear, did. I you think he can did. hear me right now. Yeah, but I didn't say anything bad, you know. So, so anyway, let's let's end the podcast before we all get get, get letters from tutti frutti. Not speaking right. from experience or anything, right there. But uh, that was that was fun just to say their names on a podcast <laughs> they won't ever hear. But oh, uh, boy. um. So we usually end the podcast by asking people for endorsements. We do endorsements. And in this case, I emailed you guys to ask for endorsements for the podcast. So I trust that my man, Eric, is ready. Shireen? Shireen, you, you got endorsements? For the no, I thought you were going first. Yeah, he's yeah, not going, going first. first. I, don't, I, don't, I don't do a whole lot. So the fact that <laughs> I have anything new in my life is just Come on now. happening. Bully has a new album out. I really like it. I've listened to it a few times. I can endorse the new Bully album. Shereen, huh. you got something? Uh, um, well, let's see. Um, I read a ton, but I don't know that there's a book that stands out recently. But I did just discover a new artist that I think is really awesome. And her name, name is Shyvon Scott. And if you like any kind of like jazzy Amy Winehousey kind of uh, music, I'd check her out. Shyvon Scott. That's mm-hmm. cool. So then I'll I'll just close with the the pop version of our recommendations, and I I can't say enough good things about Pink's new record. Oh, really? Ditto. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm not a big poppy person, but yeah. man, she's good. That the. God. Like being a music nerd, this the off syncopation that she does on the revenge song in the begin like the opening five bars of revenge, she does something really cool with that off syncopation thing. And I'm like, that's that's just really fun stuff. You know? And, and she she is as good live as she is in the studio, and that that's rare. You know, you don't need auto tune with her. She's yeah. just right on. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So, Shireen, we're, we're going to wrap it up now. So, if people want more information or want to check out the Wasa Pilot and Review, where do they do that? WasaPilotAndReview.com. Cool. And on yep. Twitter? 
Uh, actually, we're at Wasa Pilot okay. on Twitter. Um, and you can email me at editor at wasapilotandreview.com as well. Cool. So thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So we like, have enjoyed it. Yeah, we'd like to have you come back again and talk to sort of more specific stories. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to. So. Eric? Yeah, absolutely. I think you should come back. I think we should make this a regular thing. <laughs> yeah. Are you Sorry, I'm, You're I'm, I'm writing. No, I'm not sleeping. I'm just I'm writing down all of the endorsements because I'm really bad at adding <laughs> yes. them to the She's website. It's so, so exciting. I'm sleeping. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Okay, cool. No, I we need to get I want the the whole Shireen, the whole reason why we started this podcast was to talk about Wasa related things. And I think that we've done that today and I would really like to do that more often. Whether I would I'm, too. I'm There's a big always part something. of those conversations or not, I mean you guys are a whole lot smarter than I am as far as Wasa politics, for instance, goes. So I would just like to have you guys back more often and talking about some of these things that are going on. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love it. Cool. So sounds good. Well, and thank you guys. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Ooh, child, tired of the bullshit. Gone, dust your shoulders off. Keep it moving. Yeah. Shit. In there, swimwear, going to the pool, shit.